Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Five minutes past 12 o'clock. I love that it's always at five, exactly five minutes past 12 o'clock that we start the show. Don't you just love that? Welcome, welcome. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini and uh, as always, delighted to be with you for the next hour. And we have got such a fabulous show lined up for you. You know, we're going to be talking the Jerusalem Marathon. We're going to be looking at the mindset um, and what kind of approach you 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 have to have when it comes to running a marathon. So Michael Rubenstein, um, who is a mental coach, will be talking about that. Um, Brandon Smith is going to be talking about how he's taking part in the Jerusalem Marathon. And we are going to be starting off the show with Brandon Bays. Now, I first heard of Brandon Bays. I think it was when her her book was first released, um, the, the, the Journey, um, all the way back in 1999. I think that's when it was. And I was absolutely spellbound how this woman had um, been diagnosed with a cancer with cancer she had this tumor um, the size of a basketball and she decided she was not going to go the conventional route when it came to medicine and that she would take part in self-healing um, and Six and a half weeks later, um, the tumor had shrunk. And so she goes around the world and she talks about this kind of healing, this kind of transformation that can happen from within. And I think it's such a fascinating subject, especially because this is the DL Link show where we talk about cancer and we talk about other illnesses and treatments. And so to have this perspective and to have, um, you know, really um, uh, the, Brandon Bay's point of view of healing herself over six and a half weeks. I am so excited to be talking about all of that and I really, really hope that you're going to be staying with us. Um, and also, if you do have any questions, incidentally, when whilst I am talking to Brandon, you can always SMS us on 34519. That is 34519. We're going to take a very quick break um, and then it's Brandon Bays. Um, can't wait, so stay with us. FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, thank you for staying with us. This is the Deal Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Um, I was telling you about our next guest who I'm very excited to introduce you to, Brandon Bays, who's an Amer- American motivational author and speaker. Um, she will be coming to South Africa shortly. We're speaking to her from Australia um, and just hearing about her extraordinary story and about the work that she does around the world and what she will be doing specifically in South Africa. Um, so, Brandon, welcome and thank you so much for joining us well i'm so delighted to hear your voice again and to to come back to south africa it's been some years since i was there and and i'm just thrilled that we are coming back with the journey to south africa well all i can say south africa can't wait to have you back um really really brandon you know this show the dl link show we, it, it, it is a show where we talk a lot about cancer. We talk a lot about treatments. We talk to a lot of cancer warriors and we discuss their journeys and we, we really just cover as many issues as we can. So we're very excited, um, to be talking about your story and again, what, what you're going to be doing here in South Africa. When I first did the introduction uh, just a few minutes ago, I spoke about a, a, a cancerous tumor and someone, Michael, um, sent me a, a, a message saying it, it was a tumor, not cancer. Um, thank you, Mike. Thanks for clarifying that. So there we go, Brandon. So so um, before you 
we go into the, you know, going to the doctor and finding out that you had this enormous tumor. You, it's very interesting because I was reading your story. You worked for Tony Robbins. So you were very much in the business of um, self-help and working on physical and mind. Maybe you can expand on that. Well, yes, I had already been in the field of healing, and I was certified in so many different fields. And I was working in a clinic in New York City when I met Tony. And uh, in 1984, he was his greatest passion was health, mm-hmm. which was mine. And so I ended up going on the road with Tony and ended up teaching as a presenter to thousands of people their living health program and so he would give the whole weekend program and then I would give the five-hour seminar on how to practically create vibrant health in your life and what kind of foods that to eat that cleanse and don't clog the body and what kind of uh, how to breathe in such a way as it oxygenates your cells and very practical down-to-earth nitty-gritty work Mm -hmm. and you can imagine I moved from New York City and I was I could say that I was at a peak in my life I was living in a little tiny beach cottage on the uh, sand in Malibu, California, and I was living and walking my talk. 100% vegetarian food, 70% of it just raw, vibrant, all organic. I was working out every day, meditating every day, and more important than all those things, I'd done already about 15 years of work on myself, diving into all the various areas of complementary medicine and I was in a marriage that I felt profoundly blessed to be in Mm. and a beautiful family life and a job that I felt passionate about teaching thousands and we would have five to six thousand people in a seminar and teaching them how to really create vibrant health in their life and so the last thing I expected to have happen was for my own tummy to start to grow. Mm. And I just didn't want to believe it could be happening to me because, after all, I was doing everything right. Wow. So so there you were, as you say, really living the way you were teaching, um, only to find that your own body, and I, I'm, I'm going to use this term very, very loosely, but was almost letting you down. So you had this this tumor growing in, in your abdomen, um, and you, you had no idea. Absolutely. And I could see that my tummy was getting larger and larger, mm. and I just didn't want to believe it could be happening to me and and it got to a point where you know all all therapists have been trained never go into denial but i just didn't want to believe it could be happening to me and i started wearing you know i couldn't zip up my trousers anymore and i instead i started wearing those long flowing dresses that were very trendy that year and that mm-hmm. way i didn't have to face the fact that i couldn't zip up my trousers and um i was sitting one day for meditation which actually i had been doing for 20 years i had first learned meditation while i was at university when i was 19 years old and i was 39 when my tummy started to grow and my mind went to a place where all the thoughts began to wind down and out of nowhere came this gut knowing I might be seriously ill and I need to get real 
and get myself to an orthodox medical doctor. And Mm -hmm. I can remember as if it was yesterday. I came out of that meditation and I was just overwhelmed with waves of shame. And conversely, so much pride because I had so many degrees in various aspects of complementary medicine. And I thought, wow, Brandon, you're such a fraud. Sure. You stand up, stand up in front of all those people around the world and share with them how to create vibrant health. And you might be seriously ill. Hmm. And I felt so much shame that I didn't have the guts to call up my best friend who was going to the kind of medical specialist that I needed to go to. And instead, I went to the local bookshop and pulled down a, a book from the women's section because I'd seen that's where the, the, you know, the tummy had started to grow. Mm-hmm. And there was a book there that was written by a surgeon who did not advocate hysterectomies. And I called the number at the back of the book and the nurse there she talked to me like I was some ignoramus, and she said, do you know who this surgeon is? You know, she works for the California ba- State Board of Medicine. You can't get in to see her for six, eight months. And I said, listen, I, I didn't know. I, I just pulled out a book from a shelf. And, and I said, listen, if there's a cancellation, would you at least call me and she took my number down and she said well it's not likely but yes I will take your number down and I got off that phone and once again I was just burning in shame Wow! and I still couldn't call up my best friend but three days later the nurse called me back and she said to me there's an appointment available in a few months' time. Did I want it? It was, yes, please. And I, I didn't know this, the, this was the nature of the tumor. But when I got to the doctor finally, she said it probably started as one cell when I was eight years old that then duplicated. Mm-hmm. But by the end, the cells were replicating exponentially and aggressively. And I looked about six months pregnant, though I knew I wasn't. And, yeah, and, and as you can imagine, it was quite mm, uh, a shocking time for me. I can imagine, Brandon, and I'm sure also very, very uncomfortable for you on, on, on so many levels. But if we had to fast forward it, the, 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 this doctor that you went to um, suggested surgery because she said that it was pressing on your diaphragm and were you having a problem with breathing. And you said to her, just give me some time. And um, because I think there was internal bleeding and she said, you know, if you can stop the bleeding, then I'll give you some time. What what was it in you that made you think that you could take on this tumor and and try and heal yourself from within? Well, besides having the certifications in the various areas of complementary medicine, Mm -hmm. I also had, I was at the cutting edge of what was happening in the field of cellular healing. And I was, you know, studying what was happening with people who had healed without drugs or surgery. And one of the things that science knows, um, and scientists working all around the world, is that they have found that when you feel a strong emotion, and you repress it, it releases a quantifiable biochemistry which will go to certain cell receptors and block them. And if illness 
happens over time, obviously it will happen where the cells are blocked. Conversely, what we also know to be true is that when we feel our emotions openly and freely, you know, like a child does, Mm -hmm. our cell receptors remain open. And so, uh, you know, for instance, if you get on the Center for Disease Control, their website right now, if you get on that, they're the most powerful medical body in the world. And they, it has on there that 85% of all illness has an emotional basis. Mm. And the reason they can say that is because of all the work going on in the field of cellular healing. So I had studied this whole area at that time. And I had even read the case studies of people who had healed without drugs or surgery. But I can tell you something. You can know and understand how cells replicate, how they become the degenerative cells get passed on from one cell generation to the next. But unless you have a method, it's nothing but inspiration on a page Mm. and a bunch of statistics. Mm. And that's where I stood when I asked that doctor to give me some time, to give it my best shot. Hmm. And the truth is, I, I, I did everything that I did know how to do in, in this complementary field. And I was three and a half weeks into my own healing journey. And I had done, I was went immediately onto a cleanse. I was getting acupuncture. I was getting massage every other day. I was getting NLP, medical hypnosis, herbs for cleansing, homeopathy. I was getting cranial visceral work. I was doing everything that was available out there. But nothing I did worked. And I realized I was running out of time. Hmm. And I I ended up calling an oncologist friend of mine who had studied, like I had, with Dr. Deepak Chopra. And at that time, Chopra wasn't the guru that he's become today. He was the chief surgeon general for a medical hospital in Boston. And he'd done a radical thing as a medical doctor. He decided he would amass case studies of people who had healed without drugs or surgery. The reason this was so radical at that time is because it didn't matter whether you were in the orthodox medical field or if you were in the complementary field, all of us were trained the same way. You look at the symptoms that lead to ill health, Mm. that lead to death. We were all all focused on what makes people die. Mm. But Chopra says, we know enough about that. I want to know what makes people heal. Mm. And he amassed all these case studies. And he could only find that the people who healed without drugs or surgery had two qualities in common. Yeah. One was that through some act of grace or spontaneous event, they actually got access to this that he called the infinite intelligence, Mm -hmm. the part of you that makes your heart beat and your eyes shine and your hair grow. The second thing that they had in common was that through some act of grace, they got access to what he called 
the phantom cell memories. And what we know about the cells inside the body is the cells replicate at varying speeds. So if anyone who's listening has ever had a suntan, you may have noticed that after about three weeks, the tan fades. That's because the old skin cells slough off and are replaced by new regenerative cells. Mm -hmm. Liver cells take six weeks for an all-new liver. Stomach lining takes about three days. And the one that blows my mind are the eye cells because if you feel an eye, it feels kind of firm, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And do you know that in less than 48 hours, in less than two days, you will have an all-new inner eyeball? And the only way I could even begin to put this into context is my my mom, she had one of those eye operations where they slid her eye open, inserted a lens, and put the flap back and put a patch on. And she could see in a day and a half's time. Mm, As a matter mm. of fact, there will not be a single molecule in your body a year from now. Wow. Wow. It's here today. Wow. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Brandon, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to press pause for one second. We've just got to uh, pause for ads. I'm going to be right back. So stay right where you are in that thought process and we'll be continuing in a minute. RFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, welcome back to the DL Link Show where we connect you to insights, information and illumination and certainly is so illuminating having Brandon Bays on the show. Um, Brandon just uh, sharing her story of uh, having an enormous tumor um, and how she decided to avoid or not use conventional medicine and uh, within a pretty short period of time she healed herself. So, Brandon, just before the break you were talking about, which is really extraordinary, this incredible body that we have, how cells are regenerating um, themselves all the time, this renewing process. And you, you were saying that Deepak Chopra had found um, two qualities um, in people who were able to heal themselves. And the one was that they had some connection with this infinite intelligence. And you're saying the infinite intelligence, that's which makes the heart beat, which makes us blink and breathe, and also access to the phantom cell resources so which is incredible um how i mean where to from here uh, once you identify well, that the, this is what they have how how did you take this and use it to heal yourself well let's let's wind, the, wind it back just a second here yes chopra asks a question that no one else was asking he said well if the cells are replicating all the time and it's all new regenerative cells why is it when you look at a liver that's riddled with cancer in June mm-hmm. or in January, why would it be riddled with cancer in June? Right. Which was a good question to ask if the cells are always regenerating. Mm-hmm. And what he postulated at that time, which has subsequently been verified by scientists all over the world, is that stored inside that degenerative cell are what he called old repressed cell memories and before the degenerative cell died it passed on its programming its consciousness to the next cell generation so the next cell generation was born as as an exact replica of the previous cell generation Mm. and that through some act of grace or spontaneous event people who healed had somehow gotten access 
to the cell memory that you remember I said earlier that when you repress an emotion, it releases that biochemistry. It goes into the bloodstream, which, which blocks certain cell receptors. Mm. And they somehow got access to the pain, the consciousness, the memory, the programming that was stored inside that cell. And if somehow they released it and let it go, when the new cell was born, it was born devoid of that old consciousness right. as new regenerative cells. Now, I knew all this. I'd not only studied all the work going on in the field of cellular healing, I understood all the science, but no one out there was giving us a method. So I already knew that part of my journey would lay in uncovering a means for all of us mm. to get access to what's stored inside of our bodies and to go through a process of not only uncovering the cell memories there, but going through some sort of release and understanding. In my case, it was after that was forgiveness so that when the new cells are born, they're born devoid of that old consciousness. And that is what the journey was originally based in. And it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, a month later, but six and a half weeks after I found this, um, this method that I did the method three times and I ended up in Cedar sinai Hospital and they did 38 scans of my uterus and I was pronounced textbook perfect clean. But what I love and what you probably don't know about the work that I'm doing is I'm working right now with medical doctors all over the world. I'm actually on the board of on oncology wow. hospi a hospital mm. in uh, Tel Aviv I know this is also going to Israel, uh, where I do a lot of work. And there's two hospitals there in Israel. One has a heart unit where after the doctors give an operation or whatever treatments they give to the uh, heart patients, they spend a week long in the patients in a recovery center where because there is an emotional corollary to physical illnesses, they are undergoing not only nutritional work, but the, the real fulcrum of the whole recovery program is that they're undergoing journey work so that they can get to the emotional root cause of what co-created the heart disease in the first place. Hmm. And the same is true for the oncology unit in the other hospital where recently I was just in Israel and it was uh, last spring in Israel and um, I was speaking to about 60 oncologists who had flown in from around the world and sharing with them how the work has developed over the last 25 years mm -hmm. and I've been working with all kinds of illnesses and how it is patients can get to the emotional root cause, the stress, the burnout, the shutdown, the depression that is co-creating this illness. So obviously all of our prayer is does it that once they've had their treatment in hospital that it doesn't show up and reoccur 
further on down the line. Mm. And so it's it's been really beautiful for me since, uh, you know, I was first in Joburg that the work has expanded around the world. And uh, I'm working with psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors, and people from all walks of life to really... Uh, co-participate in their own healing journeys. And mm-hmm. the journey's not really just about physical healing. I mean, my prayer is that you give yourself a wake-up call before it manifests illness. And, you know, for instance, we have a program called Journey Outreach. And um, remember when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. Now, I happen to be a New Yorker. But I was not in New York at the time that the Twin Towers went down. But as soon as we could fly in, 28 uh, journey practitioners who've gone through a year-long training in this work and I flew to New York City and we offered the journey intensive, the one that I'm offering in Joburg in, in the first weekend of June. And I wanted to reach out to those people who had lost their loved ones in the Twin Towers going down because because science knows that when you feel that strong emotion and you repress it, now, no one's been given a manual. What do you do in the face of a massive catastrophe like that? You know, in a crisis like that. Mm-hmm. And what do people do? They lose a loved one and people don't know what to do with that. And they just try to shove it under a carpet, somehow stiff up her lip, get on with their life. And what was interesting, and I wanted people to help clear that issue to really get to the emotional root cause of what had put that shutdown in place, clear it out so it wouldn't manifest as illness 10 years down the line. And I read in, on September 11, 2011, 10 years later, that the American government had kept tabs on those people who had lost their loved ones in 9-11. And they reported the statistics, and they had off-the-Richter-scale cancer. Wow. And, yeah, so this is why. Yes, it's shocking, but it's... The journey is very scientifically based, which is why medical doctors doctors love to work with me and with the journey because they they know what's going on now in the field of cellular healing, and they there it's phenomenal the work going on in the field of medicine, and I feel privileged to partner the medical doctors to to deal with the emotional side of it. And the second aspect of journey work is not just about clearing out these cell memories before they show up as disease down the line. It's also about getting access to that infinite intelligence Mm -hmm. inside of you, Mm -hmm. to the part of you that is this vast, boundless field of love, of peace, of joy that you came in as. And it's at the deepest level, at the level of the soul, that you turn this flashlight on inside, the torch on inside of you, and you go on a journey inside yourself, and you uncover 
these repressed cell memories. Mm-hmm. And you're guided by your own soul to go through a deep process of release and letting go and also understanding what's happened to you. It's not like you just open a can of worms. Mm-hmm. You, you come to understand what has taken place in your life and you go through a deep process of forgiveness. And it's when you're forgiving that you finally let go of your story of pain. You forgiving God, you're forgiving life, forgiving others, forgiving yourself. And somehow that gives you the ability to finally finish with your story of pain. So that when new cells are born, they're born devoid of that old consciousness. Right, right. As new regenerative cells. And so this is work that my prayers, I have had journey programs with children. As a matter of fact, we were with a, an outreach program in South Africa mm-hmm. with the Pillipepa train project. And it's a health train where it pulls into a lot of the townships and communities where they don't have health services. And if you, at that time, needed an eye operation, there was actually an operation theater on the train where people could board the train and get that procedure with the surgeons there. Mm -hmm. Or if you had mental illness, you'd go see the psychiatrist. Or if you had some sort of emotional block or shut down, you'd go see the journey practitioner. And then once the train left, left that uh, village or township, what would happen is at the behest of the uh, Ministry for Education in that area, we were asked to come and teach the teachers how to do journey work with the children. And they found that after a year's set of case studies, the children who received uh, every week a regular journey process were averaging 60, I mean, were averaging 91 to 93 percent pass rate on their exams. Wow. Whereas those who did not receive journey work we're averaging 67%. As a matter of fact, there's a documentary I was just showing my therapist just today as we were having the final uh, therapist training. And I was showing one that was aired on television about this whole project where the Ministry for Education uh, was showing the principals talking about the radical shift for these students that were getting regular journey work, how there was less bullying in Mm -hmm. school, how the children were more well-adjusted, and that their grades were higher, not because we were teaching them any different ABCs, but because when you clear what blocks a child, what shuts them down, their natural shining potential come through absolutely so Brendan I mean I think this it, it, it sounds so incredible and South Africa so needs it the world needs it and I love that you're coming to South Africa and I'm sure many of our listeners who are facing so many challenges um, would love to come 
is there any way, because we're talking about this journey process and um, being able to access this, the cellular memory, do you have to be going to a practitioner to do it? Can people do it on their own? Are there one or two tips that you can share with our audience who are listening now before we say goodbye? Sure. Now, first of all, um, the work has become more user-friendly, it's deepened, it's expanded. You know, I have multiple courses I'm giving around the world. But the the new revised edition of the journey has the latest up-to-the-minute work. And my recommendation is, is to, first of all, read that book mm-hmm. and see if it speaks to you. Because this is very deep work. And then there are the processes at the back of the book that you can, you know, connect up with a friend who reads the book and you can, you know, experiment, just do a divine experiment and do the processes at the back of the book and, and work with each other and undergo this work. Or if you feel that you've got some very deeply buried things, of course, get to a journey practitioner. Or if you feel you really want to learn how to dive in in a deep immersion with me and and an embrace held by trainers and practitioners so that you can really learn how to use this work for any emotional issue or physical issue in your life with yourself and your loved ones, of course I welcome you with all my heart to the journey intensive. And you asked for a tip. Yes. And I would like to say that, you know, let's say you're at work and you're stressed out to the max something gets messed up and your boss yells at you instead of going into a big reaction and going into the bathroom and bursting into tears and feeling completely misunderstood what I would suggest doing is just talking to your body and saying listen I'm going to open with you later but for right now if you can just let me carry on at work When I get home, I'm really going to open with how I felt when my boss yelled at me. And then when you get home that night, then you can just take some time to close your eyes and just take some deep breaths and welcome all the emotion that you felt at work. Mm -hmm. And if you really open and welcome the emotion spontaneously, if you really surrender to it and just let it come, you will fall into deeper and deeper layers of emotion. And you may end up going through a a layer of nothingness, but if you really let go into that, you begin to open into a presence of deep peace inside yourself, Hmm. a love that's omnipresent everywhere. And your emotions are actually the gateway to your own soul. And we've all learned, feel an emotion, smoke it away. Feel an emotion, drink it away. Feel an emotion, get on Facebook, get on uh, Instagram, get on Twitter, call a friend, you know, go to the movies, get on Netflix. It's like any time we feel an emotion, we sweep it under the carpet and try to do something else. And what I'm recommending here is to begin to befriend your emotions, to welcome them, even just allowing them 
to come and be felt, they will release and they will go. But if you suppress them, then that opens a whole different can of worms. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brendan, I wish we could continue chatting. I, I wish we had more time. I'm so enjoying listening to you. Um, and I'm hoping that when you come to Joburg, some of our listeners can come and attend your workshops. Just very quickly, when will you be here? And if people would like to attend, how can they contact you? Or who should okay. they contact? <laughs> um, I, I thought that those details were given to you. Um, I don't, I, I think it's uh, the 4th to the 6th of June. I know it's the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of uh, June in okay. Joburg. Okay. And the real success is the company that is bringing me there. Oh. And so hopefully... You can Google real success and get online, yeah. or you could probably get onto the journey. Yes, I think Journey South Africa. Um, Michael's just journey told South me Africa. Journey South Africa. Absolutely. So Journey South Africa, if you are interested, um, I think fascinating. I really hope that we'll be able to chat to you again, but we, we've run, unfortunately run out of time. But thank you so much, Brandon. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic stay in um, Australia, however long you're going to be there, and uh, look forward to hosting you here in South Africa. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Thank you. Brandon Bays um, on uh, the DL Link show. Just very interesting. We're actually going to talk more about this, the emotion, what to do with emotion, not suppressing emotions. Um, we're also going to be talking the DL Link marathon, the Jerusalem marathon coming up. Um, team DL Link, building, building slowly. You've got your opportunity to join. Um, it's happening in March. So time is kind of running out. You've got to make up your mind very quickly. We're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, um, Michael Rubenstein will be joining us. He's a mental coach. He specializes in um, neuro-linguistic linguistic programming. So we're going to be talking about that. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Michael Rubenstein, welcome, welcome. And how are you? I am well. It's lovely to be here and to be part of uh, the DL Link journey. Well, lovely to have you on the show and part of the DL Link journey. Well, I want to hear about this DL Link journey, but I want to also just, you know, we've had Brandon Bays. You were nodding a lot, so you know Brandon Bays' work. You know a lot about what she does. And you, of course, are the founder of Own Alchemy. And alchemy in itself is creating and changing and magical. And, and I think that the people who are listening right now, you know, people are diagnosed with illnesses, um, all types of illnesses we're talking about. And it's a really overwhelming um, journey. And some people overcome the journey you know it's a challenge and they overcome it and, and many many do not just a couple of weeks ago we, we we spoke about the cancer warriors who didn't make it through 2019 and so when we talk about Brandon Bays and we talk about the emotional and accessing the the cell memory for some people listening right now it just it doesn't seem accessible or it does seem accessible what are your thoughts on this emotion and allowing it to just flow so uh, Nikki, uh, thanks. I think it's a it's it's quite a complex um, 
theory to understand. And I think that for me, I try to simplify it to understand the idea that thoughts can become things. Feelings mm-hmm. can become things. Mm-hmm. And I think through my own life, I've struggled with my own health and wellness. And through the work that I've done as a coach and my own self-work, I've started to learn that I can have a much more integrated relationship with my well-being. And Brandon mentioned the, the ability to talk to oneself. And, and that comes out, I think, in the work that we do when we, when we look at positive and negative emotions. And often what we do is when we have negative emotions, we kind of uh, think that we have to deep dive into it and connect it. But honestly, there's a, there's ways to deal with negativity and thoughts and feelings that have come up for you. And especially when people are going through things like, you know, like cancer, like disease, like anxiety and stress. And I think that at the moment we are the most stressed, uh, um, kind of generation of its time. Mm. And, um, I know today I'm talking a little bit about, you know, preparation for the Jerusalem Marathon, but I think it's also important for us to understand that just people who are going through everyday life are really struggling with anxiety. And uh, one of the discussions I had with with a doctor that I saw recently was that if we don't manage our anxiety in a, in a, in a in a productive way, we actually end up getting really, really sick from it. And so some of the work that I've done is around how are there practical ways that we can kind of connect to to help us manage anxiety. So today I thought it might be interesting in for those who are running the marathon, and, and I mean, I'm running it at the moment. Um, I have a tear in my hip. I have a shoulder injury. Oh. And um, sitting is difficult. And you're determined. Yeah. Wow, really? So I've set this goal, and I think because, one of the things that that is important is when you set a goal, it's got to be bigger than um, I'm going to run the 10K, I'm going to run the 5K, I'm going to run the 21, I'm going to run the 42. I'm actually setting a, a, myself a purpose, a, a, a kind of a goal that's bigger than just achieving the the, out, the outcome. So for me, I'm, I'm running for five people. Um, I'm running for my late dad who didn't pass away from cancer but from Alzheimer's. And for me, you know, doing something in his honor and uh, doing something for people that are struggling with the disease – um, is for me something bigger. And, and I think looking at the word disease, if you take it and you break it up, it's actually dis-ease. And the word disease um, means that we're, we haven't dealt with something emotionally. It's become something physical. Not to say that cancer is, is always as a result of something that we have or haven't looked at in our lives. But certainly, and if you look at what Brandon's saying, if we work with the emotional aspect of it, we give ourselves a much better chance to recover. We give ourselves a much better chance to deal with the emotional side of it. So I think maybe to kick off with, um, anxiety is a really big determinant in our, Absolutely. Our, our ability to kind of prosper in life and to uh, tackle something like the Jerusalem Marathon. And if I had to look around the studio, how many of us are sort of struggling with anxiety at the moment? Well, a few people have said yes. Mm. Are you putting up your hand? Mm. Anxiety is hard. And I mean, especially things like panic. Um, panic is something that sets in often for many of us, especially when we prepare for something like a race for the Jerusalem Marathon. And we can, we can really, uh, I think it can detract us from our goals. So I've got a couple of tips if you want me to share with you. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break because we also have someone who's taking part in the Jerusalem Marathon. Excellent. He is sitting here in the studio and he sort of put up his hand for a little bit of anxiety and maybe he has some anxiety in preparation for the, for the marathon. So, so Michael, let's talk. Let's go through those issues. And um, and I, I'm, I, I'd love you to come back another time as well to discuss the NLP and really dive deep into that. So let's take a break and Jerusalem Marathon after the break. 
Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. If you have just tuned in, welcome. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Um, in the studio, I have Michael Rubenstein. He is a mental coach. He's the founder of Own Alchemy. Um, and we're talking specifically about really just getting mentally fit and mentally ready um, when it comes to sports. So specifically the Jerusalem Marathon. Um, I also have a, a, a participant who's joining the, he's going to not only be running, but he's running part of the, the Team DL Link, and that's Brendan Smith. Brendan, hi, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me, and, yeah, thanks for a fantastic show. So it's lovely to have you, and you are going to be running. You, you've run a few marathons in I the have, past. I have. You know, like, what, regularly? Is it something you just do occasionally? I actually, I actually started, and to confess and to pick up from Michael, I actually started running four years again after nearly a 20-year layoff. Uh-huh. For the exact reason Michael and Brenda were talking For mental health And to manage stress Because you need an outlet For your day to day stress And I'm a big advocate of mental health And being positive And the power of positivity And as Brenda early said I mean mental health Cell generation And looking after yourself And that's the reason I started running And just Finding yourself, doing marathons, ultra marathons, I've done two oceans, just being out there, finding yourself, being with yourself, spending time with yourself out on the road, and that challenge of, I have done it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, and I'm the biggest advocate of running and being active and having an active lifestyle. And now you're going to be going off to Jerusalem and you're going to be taking part in the Jerusalem Marathon. That in itself is going to be, I think, for you an extraordinary incredible, incredible. I experience. Wait. I think it is. But, Michael, I want to bring you in now because I, I, I love that. And I think more and more people are taking on sport and taking on running, for example, just as Brendan said, to help with the mind processing things. So how does one, you were talking about anxiety, you were talking about how does one get through the marathon or get through the run without circulating the thoughts over and over and over again, kind of disconnecting from the thoughts and being in the moment of, of, of the run, where you are. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a change. Firstly, to, to Brandon, what an amazing thing to be doing. And, and I mean, he's you're doing the 42, I think. Correct. 42, wow. Wow, I just need to take a break and <laughs> breathe thinking about that. But it's incredible. I, I think... I want to give some practical tips because, you know, our, our thoughts and our inner voice can really distract us from our ability sure. to achieve our goals. The first thing is your inner voice, that voice that says yes, but, or no, you can't, or you're to this, or you're to that. It's not you. It's very separate to you. Mm-hmm. And you need to talk back to it and say, listen, thank you very much for your opinion, but I don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Because people often think that that inner voice is part of them. Keep it as separate and focus on what you need to achieve. The second thing is, if you're setting a goal for yourself, and, and I learned this through a conversation with Lewis Gordon-Pugh, who's really an amazing athlete, mm-hmm. swims for to create awareness for the environment. He, he said to me, I, I climbed, myself, I climbed Kilimanjaro in 2012, and uh, mentally I wasn't ready for it. But he said to me a few things. He said, when you set yourself a goal, only have a plan A. Never have a plan B and a plan C. 
And so he, he gave me this analogy, which I use often. He said to me when, when he was training and he was, he had this whole team around him and he was training in the North Pole and, uh, he was setting flags along the embankment, all the flags from all the countries that helped him. And he said, well, all, they were all debating which flag would be at the end just before he achieves his goal. And so everyone was arguing, no, it should be the Japanese flag because we gave the technology to South African. Well, he's from South Africa, British world. He's part of the Royal Marines and they were debating. And eventually he came into the room and said, Lewis, which flag do you want? there at the end and he said you know well, I want the Australian flag and he said why the Australian flag the Australians had nothing to do with this mm-hmm. and he said because I will never ever be beaten by an Australian and he had that flag at the end to say this is the thing that's going to get me past it mm-hmm. and he he made me realize also that if you have one goal you're never going to let anything dis- distract you so that's the first thing the second thing never underestimate the value of breathing Breathing is really, really important. And the thing that I think that can help a lot is what I call the rule of four. So you can practice it at any time. Breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, four times. Breathing regularly through the when race. When you're feeling anxious when while you're, you're running. While when you're running, you when you're feeling anxious um, in your training, etc. Breathing is a really, really easy technique. And it also helps ground you. Ground you. So... If you, there's another really good app. It's called the Calm app. I don't know if you've ever heard Mm -hmm, of it, mm -hmm. but the Calm app is something I would download today. I would, um, use it every single day. Um, and there's great programs, um, 12 days to managing stress, seven days to manage anxiety, preparing for a race and do that every single night for about, it's, I think it's 12 minutes each sort of section. That really helps you to, to connect to your and prepare your mental well-being. The other thing is that you've got so many muscles in your body that you're using to to train with. And one of the things that can help you is actually relaxing the muscles in your face. Mm. Uh, because a lot of your stress is held in your face. People suffer from TMJ, from muscle spasm, from headaches, from neck pain. So a really good technique is to focus on looking, uh, feeling the muscles in your space, tensing them up for about 10, 15 seconds. Like, like I have, I'm doing it right now. now. Close my eyes, I must look it. terrible, yes. Great. Uh-huh. And then relax and release it and breathe. <sighs> there you go. Feels wonderful. If you do that sort of five, ten times every day, that really, really helps you. Um, another part is visualization, which is probably the most powerful tool, is if you can visualize every aspect of the race. So standing at the line ready to begin, you know, what are you wearing? What do you notice around you? Really Connecting to that and then break the race down into segments. The first five Ks, the first 10 Ks, then I'm done because I'm only doing 10. <laughs> if you're doing 21, 42. Or 42 like yeah. Brendan. Ma- imagine each part of it. What do you see on your watch? What do you see around you? Imagine connecting to the people. And the thing about the Jerusalem Marathon is it's an exact, it's a beautiful race because there's so much going on. So don't forget to actually enjoy the race. Be in the moment. Be in the moment. Oh, Michael, thank you so much. Pleasure. Brendan, did you get something out of that? Most definitely. <laughs> so listen, you're running for the DLing. Correct. Very quickly, what's your connection? A good friend of mine got me involved. We were going to go do it as a bucket list item for Jerusalem. And a week later, he phoned me and said, forget just that. Let's do it for DL Link. And yeah, the rest is history. And really excited. Yeah. I want to tell you, you're in for an experience of a lifetime. And when you get back, we are going to chat again. Most definitely. Because you're taking running a marathon to a whole other level. Brendan, thank you for joining us. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful having you both on the show. Brendan Smith, all the best for the run. And uh, Michael, you too. And hopefully you're going to get into the mind of of all the runners for Team DL Link. Great having you on the show. Michael Rubenstein. And thank you so much for joining me. It has been fabulous. I hope you've enjoyed it. From me, Nikki Seberini. Until next week. Goodbye.